Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of the Pride of Detroit Spotify Green Room podcast, where we take your live questions right here on the Spotify Green Room app. My name is Jeremy Rison. I'm the editor in chief over at Pride of Detroit. With me, as always, are my two ho- co-hosts for the Spotify Green Room uh, Q and A's. First, we got senior editor Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan, how we doing this Saturday morning? Uh, apparently, a little more well rested than my other co-hosts. So I apologize for that, but I am also not sorry. I know we need we need someone to carry the energy here because, yes, these Friday night games are a bit of a killer for those on the beat, uh, including our managing editor, Pride of Detroit, Eric Schlitt at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric with a with a K. Yes, that's I tell you, I tell you, I could do without the. I could do without the uh, seven o'clock starts. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, that's not a whole lot of fun during the preseason when you're trying to track well, eighty guys at this point, right? And um, so, yeah, little 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 challenges. We'll we'll try to drag everyone along here. Um, obviously, this is a huge weekend ahead as the Lions have to trim the roster down from eighty to fifty three. By Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, the Lions preseason game uh, just concluded last night. So you guys seem to have a lot of questions. We're not going to talk too much anymore until we hear from our first caller, and that is Robert. Robert, are you there? Hope you guys are having a good day. Um, So I'll try and keep this not long-winded. So my question is, um, for this coaching staff, for... The first two years, and especially this year, I'm kind of judging them more so based on how they're bringing along the young players and developing them um, rather than wins and losses. So I'm just curious to kind of, after the three preseason games, training camp, uh, how you feel about uh, the potential ceilings of a lot of our rookies this year. Um, And maybe if there's any, Derek Barnes really is uh, the interesting piece to me of all the draft picks with where he was taken and, um, you know what what is something that could hold him back or maybe what was the knock on him because he looks really good so far uh yeah let, let's start with Derek Barnes because he's probably the most fun of the rookies and and he certainly made another big play on Friday night uh blowing up a screen play by just running seemingly across the entire field wrapping up and making a good tackle there um Eric you, you're kind of the draft guy was the knock on Derek Barnes simply that he just didn't have a lot of experience at the off-ball linebacker position yeah, for the most part, yeah. That's uh, that was the biggest knock, right? You just hadn't seen it enough because he played the edge for the first three seasons of uh, of his career at Purdue, and so you know 
he he wasn't asked to do a lot of coverage, but he had the athleticism in order to do it. It just you hadn't seen it, right? So there was a lot of projection with Barnes, and I, I still think there is. That's why we're only seeing you know him in a handful of snaps early, and we're seeing uh, coaches you know try and calm everybody down about whether or not he's going to be like you know the next great thing right because like he's still developing he's still raw but man he is just loaded with talent and you can see it and he seems to be ryan are there any other rookies from from this class that you've seen you know develop or at least you know show a lot of promise for for this season and and beyond well i think um it it was well between two guys really right like I i think aline mcneil came on in a big way um, right from the beginning of training camp and right on through preseason games, I think that he had uh, a good showing this preseason. Um, but we kind of expected that, I think. Um, just after being drafted, it seemed like the path to being the team's starting nose tackle was uh, was there for the taking, and he uh, he certainly didn't leave any uh, any doubts to that. So, um, and, and also Levi, you know, Levi Anzarike, yeah. like you know, it was it was slow sledding for him just coming back from. You know that uh, that back injury that he was that was he was rehabbing from uh, his time at Washington, but he, I mean he looks like he's going to be a guy who can just be another disruptive force along that defensive line. And um, I think when it comes time for cuts on Tuesday, you're looking at that defensive line depth, and that's probably one of the most difficult decisions that this coaching staff is going to be faced with. Is like, you know, do we do we you know maybe keep an extra guy along this defensive line because there's so much quality depth here. Um, or do we do we maneuver so that you know another position gets kept just because we need numbers at that position? And that's an interesting roster building question that I think a, a team at the beginning of a rebuild is is going to have to face here sooner than later. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a weird numbers game because you're right. Like that defensive line position, you got guys like Kevin Strong and Bruce Sector who've really made a push for a roster spot. Meanwhile, you've got positions like tight end and wide receiver, and it seems like nobody is trying to win those positions. Uh, but I want to throw one more guy in the conversation to the uh the rookie conversation here because when you're talking about development and and it's still obviously very early for all these guys one guy who i've already seen i think a lot of improvement is is ifatu melifanu um he is a guy that i think showed up to to rookie minicamp i wasn't there at rookie minicamp but i heard some reports that looked like you know this guy's going to be a project he's going to be a little farther away now you got him kind of repping with the second team defense and holding his own out there. And so um, I think that's kind of a promising development. Development, But obviously with a lot of these guys, you're going to see you know, the progression as, as we go deeper into the season. And, and hopefully by the end of the year, we see a lot of these guys progress. But uh, do we want to address Panay here right up at top, guys? Or, or do we want to bury that for now? <laughs> Well, I think we should because he was the seventh overall pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no easy way to say it. Um, you know, lowest graded guy on the Lions offense for two straight weeks now. Um, last week uh, really struggled uh, against the, the Steelers. Comes back this week and, you know, there, I know there's been talk about whether that, that sack was on him or, or Boyle for, for dropping too far back, but the lumps it are there. Like the the issue – yeah, I mean, either way, he he did get beat around the edge. The question is, you know, was, was Boyle supposed to drop back that far? Either way, it's not going well for for Sewell so far. And I guess the question is, what's what's the level of concern here? Obviously, calling him a bust at this point is, is ridiculous and dumb. But should Lions fans be at least a little worried right now? 
Well, I, I think, Jeremy, I, I'm, I'm less concerned about that play because I, I do think I, I err more on the side that Tim Boyle is doing a five-step drop out of shotgun because I don't know why. Like, either that's just really bad, you know, that's really bad play design or an outright, you know, um, misstep by, by Boyle. And it's kind of seemed that way just because of the way that Tyrell Crosby got absolutely beat off the edge by Quiddy Pay as well. But, sure. um, there were other plays that I think were a little bit more alarming just because of what we had pegged as a big strength of Panay Sewell coming out of college. It was like his ability in space. And there were a couple of plays last night. I I, I went back and I rewatched the the first quarter to kind of, you know, take stock of, of some of these plays and why he was the lowest graded, um, you know, offensive player for the lions, according to PFF for, for this preseason finale. But there was, there was a play where they ran a screen a wide receiver screen to Amon Ross St. Yep. Brown and yep. Panesa just couldn't get out there in time. And, you know, it, it looked like maybe Darren Fells could have chipped his, his defender a little bit to give Panesa a little bit extra time. But this is a guy who we were gushing about his athleticism and his ability to get out and make, and make, you know, plays in space. And then there was another play uh, later on that drive where he had to come down the line and make a block uh, for Jamar Jefferson and just couldn't get there. Couldn't get his hands on the guy. So I, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to hit the full panic bus button because that's just dumb, but it's something to, it's something that we have to kind of understand that this guy played what one season of college football, two, well, like one and a half, right? Like, I mean, (laughs) I don't know. Like, it's just like, he's a really young kid. And I think that this, this, um, you know, this position change is going to be is going to be something that I, I was concerned about, but it seemed like a lot of people weren't really concerned about at the time the Lions drafted him. So it's going to take time. Yeah, Eric? I'm not, I'm not as worried. Um, yeah. I, I get that it takes time. Um, I, it's a position switch. Yes, he did have one year off uh, last year, and that's, you're going to take some, you're going to knock the Ross off, stuff like that. I, I totally get that. Um, he played basically like, what, three series or two series in each game? Like, and he made one mistake in each of those. So, you know, collectively you're saying, okay, you know, if you put them together, that's three mistakes in the game. That's more than you want out of your offensive lineman. But then again, you know, who's to say that he would have made, he wouldn't have learned as he went on. Like one of the best attributes that he had as, as a player at Oregon was that um, he often didn't get beat by the same type of uh, move twice. Like he, he was able to learn and, and right. here he was having to face a different type of player in each of the, the three sets. He also, you know, isn't getting a whole lot of help. They're just putting him on an Island. And so that's, that's going to happen. Like it, it's not unusual now. Um, it's going to happen in the regular season too. It just is. But I still am very, you know, I still think the potential is through the roof. I think he's got, he's a guy who's going to come around quickly. The problem is, is that when he does make a mistake, it's, it's just, it's just glaring. You know what I mean? Like, because that's what happens as an offensive lineman. But while he made, you know, three mistakes this preseason, he had a a lot of other plays that were very successful. Um, He's just got to get, it's just some little technical things that he's got to do. It's it's getting a wider base and getting his hands in a little bit different positions. And, and I I think he'll be, he'll be okay, but you know, yeah, he's, he's going to take some lumps. That's just part of it. All right. We, we took a a, a cool, like eight minutes on the first question. Y'all so uh, buckle up. This might be a long one. Thanks for the questions, Robert. Thanks guys. All right. Let's move to our good friend, Mathis. Mathis, how's, how's it going, buddy? It's going all right, guys. How are you? Good, good. Um, 
so I guess um, my question is, um, is this defensive line um, depth? And I guess that also uh, includes the um, – I would include those outside linebackers, quote-unquote. They're edge guys. They're um, So what – it, it, we, it looks like we have a pretty deep group. Um, how do you guys see that shaking out? I know you guys talked about it a little bit on, on the last question, but watch, I would like for you to go a little bit more into that, especially after last night. Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I think the the main questions on that defensive front are Austin Bryant or Charles Harris or both. Uh, Kevin Strong, John Penasini, Deshaun Hand, Bruce Hector, who out of those guys makes it and misses it? Um, Eric, I know you you already dropped your, your 53-man roster, so so let's hear your thinking behind it. Yeah, I, I picked just one edge rusher, uh, and I ended up going with Bryant. It was a uh, I debated to the last minute. Like uh, we had to uh, we had to put an eight o'clock uh, you know deadline on getting the article out, and literally you and I were talking uh, right up until the last minute with me trying to make some final edits because uh, I think they're close. I think they're they're both very close. I went with the younger player who plays special teams and has the larger upside over the guy who's maybe a little bit better right now. So. Uh, that's what we did on the outside linebacker for that edge four. Uh, on the inside, I think uh, Hand is going to make the initial roster, and then he's going to end up on IR. And that's going to free up a spot. Now, what happens to that spot is to be determined, right? Like, can they cut a guy like Kevin Strong and, and just hope he clears waivers? Or can they cut a player at a different position that they know will clear waivers and maybe they could bring him back or, or maybe an upgrade? Like in my scenario, I had them keeping seven defensive linemen, including Penasini, Strong, and Hand, then placing Hand on IR so that they were back down to six. And then um, to, set, to make room for that, I had them sacrificing the tight end, which – both those tight ends are going to clear waivers. No, you know, there's no doubt about that. So um, injuries are, are going to, I think, be the biggest hiccup with assessing this defensive yeah. line because the talent is there, right? Like you, you've seen like the the third and four, the third stringers were, were have been playing well, and and a couple of those third stringers might not make the roster. So um, you get Brockers in there a little bit more. As long as he's healthy, it should be better. You know what I mean? Like, same thing. If Han can get his his uh, his uh, injuries right, then that's going to help as well because it just brings some more versatility. You're going to need the, your rookies to develop a little bit more. But, I mean, it's a talented defensive line. Ryan, is there any one of those guys that you think um, maybe that you have a different opinion of whether they're in or out? Uh, not really. I mean, I'm a big fan of Bruce Hector. I think that's a guy who, you know, the Lions clearly prioritized and, and claimed off waivers from Tennessee. And he came here and he had, I mean, he just contributed in a big way, like each and every week. Uh, so I think that's a guy who's going to be really tough to cut, um, especially because, I mean, he does have a little bit of experience playing at the NFL level. So it's it's not something where this is a guy who's only doing things against second and third string, uh, you know, offenses. So um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm mostly in agreement with everything that, uh, that Eric said. And I think the only thing that I would, that would add to it is like, I, I think the lions have what Charles Harris, cause I know he made a, you know, a good play last night. Um, you know, getting that, that sack with, um, oh man, who was it? I know Austin Bryant was in there, but then somebody else was too. It's blanking on me right now, yeah. but, um, regardless, I, I think the lions have, they have, you know, a, a strict edge rusher in, in Julian Aquara. So, um, 
Yeah, I'm pretty much in agreement with everything you said. Yeah, I'm I'm in a tricky spot here because at the moment, and I haven't really, I've, I'm tinkering with mine just like Eric did this morning. Um, I, right now, I have Austin Bryant and Charles Harrison because I'm of the belief you can't have too many pass rushers. And Charles Harris three quarterback hits last night, uh, while the rest of the team had a collective two. Um, and I don't know the, the the way they've treated Charles Harris. This preseason almost feels like they've been protecting him a little bit. Like, he didn't play in that first preseason game. He hasn't been getting a ton of snaps. Um, he has pretty consistently been repping with the twos and in, in, in practice. He's got the fully guaranteed contract. I feel like he's pretty safe, but, man, I have to agree with everything Eric said, too. Like, the coaching staff has just been raving about Austin Bryant. He's the one that's playing special teams. Uh, and and it just seems like he he's really turned a corner here after battling through some injuries there. So I don't feel like you can let him go. So to me, I feel like you have to really kind of finagle the roster to keep both because I think they've both earned a spot. And and this is going to be unpopular, but I think my extra spot came from the running back crew where I'm still only keeping three. Yeah, a, a quick side question um, in, in regards to like guaranteed money and things like that. That I mean, definitely is going to go into you know making these roster cuts. You look at a guy like Brashad Perryman, and I know we're going to get to the offense in a minute, but like that's a guy who has some guaranteed money. But Charles Harris has some guaranteed money. But it's clear that the Lions are so desperate for for wide receiver depth. Like, I wonder what kind of fat you know how that factors into Brad Holmes' decision and and also Dan Campbell's. Sure. Charles Harris has uh, his contract is one point seven five million, fully guaranteed. So if you cut him, you don't gain anything from a cap standpoint. At the same time, it's less than two million dollars. So I don't think he's going to sweat it too much when it comes to uh, if he's not playing up to par. Sure. Appreciate the question, Mathis. Uh, again, we're going long on all these questions. We'll do one more uh, before we head to our first break. Let's bring in Michael T. Michael, are you there? I am. Thanks for getting me in, guys. No problem. Thanks for joining us again. Yeah. My question is this, is that, you know, we Ryan always harps on the best ability is availability. And we got Brad Perriman here who's not been available. And when he's been available, he reminds me of Ebron. He's never seen a pass he can't drop. <laughs> you know, so if that's his skill set, who cares how fast he runs? Um, so I'm thinking that either Kennedy makes the team or we get somebody at cut down day to make the team as, with a similar skill set that can actually catch a pass. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, know, so yeah. You... I, go ahead. Go ahead. So I, I noticed on Eric's, I think it was Eric's 53, he has Brad making it as the final roster guy. Is there. Yeah, Eric, Eric, defend yourself. Why is Brashad Perriman on your 53? Oh, well, <laughs> uh, I mean, I even wrote in it that I wasn't happy about keeping him in. Uh, but yeah. I do think this, this is, look, my, uh, the reason I'm projecting him in is because, uh, one, I don't, I, I don't think Tom Kennedy has his skill set on the outside. I don't, uh, and the, one of the biggest assets that Perryman's going to bring is the ability to just stretch the field in order to free up some of the more underneath guys. Cause they're going to make a lot of, uh, hay, you know, throwing to the underneath slot guys. And, and Perryman's going to be able to stretch that field more than Tom Kennedy is. I, I, I do think they trust Tom Kennedy a lot and, and there's a real chance that he makes a team, but he's also very redundant as Jeremy has brought up, you know, several times. He's, he might be the third slot receiver, whereas Perryman is probably the second or third outside receiver. You know what I mean? So it's it's he's he's a little bit further down even in his pos, even in his position. 
uh, Kennedy is. And so it, it just makes it a little bit harder of a sell because where does he contribute on special teams? Does, is he able to, I mean, Perryman doesn't really either. So right. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it is hard to justify him, but at the same time, they liked things about him enough that they gave him $2 million in guaranteed money. Right. And, uh, he's going to be a guy that, that is hard to cut, but 2 million is not like I just said with Charles Harris, 2 million isn't going to make or break the lion's decision. Right. So, um, I'm interested to see how he plays. I feel like when I've seen him at practice, he's played better catching passes from golf. I have no idea if that, I speculated that maybe that might be part of it. Like he's more comfortable with golf, but yeah, he's been bad. I mean, it's tough to really defend uh, the decision to keep him in, but I just don't, I just don't have enough confidence in, in anyone else to be able to play that outside speed role that can stretch the field. Maybe, maybe Khalif, uh, 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 Ray, um, um, geez, oh, yeah. Raymond, Raymond. Uh, yep. yeah, sorry. <laughs> maybe Khalif Raymond is that because he's got that ability, but he's not, I don't know if he's going to command people as much, but then again, if Perryman's dropping passes, he's not going to command as much attention either. So it's, it's a hard rub. I just don't know if they're willing to give up on Perryman. Maybe, uh, like Michael said, someone will drop in cuts that that will intrigue them and then they make the move. But my gut is he makes the team initially, but there's no guarantee he sticks. And and I think you bring up a good point here because I, I don't know if, if people realize just how important it is to have that receiver can, that, that can challenge the, the defense deep because this team is, like you said, it's going to make its money with the short stuff. But at some point, the defense is going to adjust and come up and they need someone who can threaten deep. And I know Dan Campbell said that that uh, that Tom Kennedy can play all three positions, but I'm sorry, I I am calling his bluff there. I don't think he can. I still have Tom Kennedy in over uh, Brashad Perriman, but only because those are the guys that 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 have currently earned a roster spot. I 100% expect this team to add a wide receiver uh, amidst someone else's cuts, and and maybe that means um, you know maybe it means Tom Kennedy makes the initial team, but then you know slides to the practice squad. Um, but for me, I just, I can't, I can't give Rashad Perriman a, a roster spot. I can't just because there's an absence of people like they're, they're going to find someone to fill that spot who, who has earned it more than Rashad Perriman, whether it's on the Lions roster or not, in my opinion. And, and I think that this just may be an early lump that Brad Holmes has to take in terms of, you know, Eric mentioning that $2 million guaranteed contract that that Perryman signed because it, I mean really what I'm hearing is like the Lions just need somebody on the outside who can run really fast vertically Marvin Hall's a free agent I mean, I'm, I'm not against it I guess I mean but uh, in, in all honesty I mean like yeah. last night I mean I regardless and, and here's the thing like we're talking about how this offense is going to make its money underneath you know how how confident are we that Jared Goff's going to be able to get vertical and and even on an opportunity last night like on the um the the offsides penalty yep where they had the free play like that's a catch that Brashad Perryman has to come down with yep. and then he has he has a drop later in the game and yep. I don't know it's just like like I'm 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 with you Jeremy in the sense that like this guy just can't have it because of his roster and be or because of his contract and because of what skill set he might bring like I don't know. That's why I have Tom Kennedy in, too. All right. Appreciate the question, Michael. Obviously, that's one of the more interesting storylines as we head into Tuesday's cuts. But for now, let's take a quick break. When we come back, more of your Lions questions here on the Spotify Green Room app. We'll be right back. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back here doing Lions Q&A here on the Spotify Green Room app every, well, not every Saturday morning, when we feel like it, when it's important. Um, uh, if you want to join us, download the Spotify Green Room app on any mobile device and follow at Pride of Detroit. Search my name, Jeremy Reisman. You'll find us. Uh, let's go to Nick to start off the second segment here. Nick, Nick, are you there? I, I, I am here. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Loud and clear. Okay, I'll just make it. Can you hear us? Technology. Okay, okay. okay. Yeah. so uh, so I don't want to come off as. Yep, yeah, I can. We're all good. I don't want to come off as a downer with this question because I'm really excited about this coaching staff and this rookie class. Um, even though uh, everyone's freaking out about Sewell, I think McNeil and Barnes. And Parker seem like great additions. But sort of one thing I've noticed being a long suffering Lions fan <laughs> is that when you see coverage from training camp, reporters sort of have this subtext without saying things plainly. Like at Patricia's first camp, even though everyone was real optimistic, there was really a subtext of like this guy's an insecure bully. This guy has no idea what he's doing. He's incompletely over his head. He's lost the locker room. You know, that wasn't said, like, right out front, but it was there. The subtext I've been getting this year is that Jared Goff's confidence is totally shattered and that he's scared to make throws. Um, Justin Rogers did an in-depth podcast on the Spiro Avenue show. And he was saying that Goff is too scared to throw deep to the middle of the field to the point that opposing offenses were able to cheat up and jump his underneath routes. Do you think that he's dealing with a confidence problem? And you think that's why we didn't play the ones in our last two preseason games? Um, I I mean, that's a good question. And and I certainly share those observations with Justin that it, that is a hundred percent what, what I saw out there is, and Tim just, and, and, you know, we just got done talking about how underwhelming all the Lions receivers was. So that needs to be part of the conversation of, of why Jared Goff is maybe not taking these shots downfield is because you have to have, you know, receivers to build confidence with to, uh, to build that confidence and, and be willing to throw it deep. Um, but at the same time, there are some deep shots where he's got one-on-one coverage and it seems like he's more comfortable 
um, checking down and, and whether that's, you know, him trying to kind of shake some of the turnover issues he had um, in the past couple of years or, or, or what, whether it's a confidence issue, um, it, it, it's hard to know. And obviously the lines are also keeping stuff very vanilla, but um, I do think you bring up a good point about not playing him in the preseason. Do I think it's a confidence thing that, that they're protecting him? I don't know if that's the reason, but I have to say, I'm, I don't think I agree with the decision not to give him some playing time. I'm curious what you guys think about that, about, you know, the first team offense, just not being out there. Is, is it maybe, maybe, maybe it's not that valuable to have him out there when you, you've got Hawkinson sideline and you got Swift sideline and the two maybe biggest threats that this offense has. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out myself. And you rest Rag now, and you rest Decker. I mean, sure. like, and you yeah. rest Jamal Williams. Like, yeah, and you th- see Tim Boyle getting his ass kicked. Right. This, this, this wasn't a. I, I, I don't believe this was a. The off the the first team offense is lacking confidence, and that's why we don't play them. I, I don't think that's the issue. I think that was by des- it was the, the the choice to not play them was by design sure. to get longer looks at the rest of the roster because this roster is being turned over, and you need to know at at nauseum what the what is going on with the back half of your roster, and and I think that's really where their focus was. Now, as far as confidence, I, I do think he's still trying to get it back. Like he's. He's had a couple of years that that were, he's coming off a couple of years that were down, and his coach that he is coming from basically just backed the truck up over him multiple times. Yeah. The GM badmouthed him. They couldn't wait to get him out of town. Like his, of course, his confidence is going to be rattled. Like if you have a bad look, if 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 we have a, I write a bad couple of articles, and then you go online and you start saying, man, I don't even know what's going on with Eric, right? I'm going to lack some confidence, right? Like it's, <laughs> it, now imagine doing that for two years, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's expected. I think he's going to rebound. You know, I think he's, that confidence comes back. You know, we've talked about like how, there's only so many quarterbacks that are only so many people that are able to play quarterback in this league. And he's one of them. And, and, uh, you know, I think he'll gain that back, but you know, you got to get past, he's going to have to get past some of those yips, you know, he's going to have to start taking shots downfield. And if he doesn't, then his career will continue to, to go down, you know, in the, down the wrong direction. But, you know, I, he has the mentality to to turn it around. You just he. I don't know if he's had the opportunity because, like you said, it's been very vanilla uh, in the two uh, you know uh, series that they had in, in, in preseason week one. It, and just like the the guys he's throwing to has just not been consistent all of camp, right? Like we, you didn't get Brashad Perriman early on. He didn't get Tyrell Williams the last week. Uh, Hawkinson in and out. Swift in and out. Uh, you know and they're it, just they're trying different players with the first team because they have to and it's hard to develop chemistry that way yeah and and i was going to say and he's coming and he's coming from a group of receivers that he had a lot more success with a lot more comfortable with like he's it's going to take time yeah and and to eric's point about you know just detroit's approach to this preseason right like i mean with with only three games and like he had mentioned um i totally agree with him in the sense that you know, you have to see what the back half of this roster has and if there are players like that. Because, I mean, truth be told, without that happening, I know it's not offense, but, like, do we get, like, these extended looks at A.J. Parker? Do we get these extended looks at guys like Bruce Hector, Kevin Strong, guys that are on the roster bubble? Like, um, so, you know, and, and their approach was, was pretty consistent because of the way they kept Decker out, the way they kept Ragnow out, you know, after the first game. But I think about how Jared Goff is going to be successful this season in terms of him not having the yips or getting that confidence back. Like it starts with the two things that we're all 
circling as like, this is how the Lions offense is going to be successful. A sturdy offensive line and a good running back room. Like, that's why a guy like Brashad Perryman doesn't really move the needle for me in terms of roster construction. And I, I think that those two things, like a, a, you know, a sturdy offensive line and a good running game is, is hopefully going to do wonders for, for, you know, rehabilitating Jared Goff. It's a good point. All right, Nick, appreciate the question there. Uh, we're going to move on just because again, we have a ton of people on the line here, but uh, appreciate the question. Uh, another good discussion there. All right. You're welcome. Uh, Let's go to Nick from Nick to Nicholas. Nicholas, you're on the show. How's it going, buddy? Hey, how you guys doing? Good, good. Hey, so uh, I don't really have a question as much as just an observation. Maybe you guys want to touch on, but uh, in the new uh, Inside the Den episode, which I'm sure everyone's seen, um, there's a part where Aaron Glenn is talking to AJ Parker and he says, I don't mind you trying to go out and make a play. Just make sure that you can make that play. And, you know, maybe this is speculation because there wasn't context, but I assume that he jumped off an assignment to try to make a play. And, uh, you know, during Patricia era, that was a big no-no. Nobody was allowed to do that. (laughs) Yep. So, I I mean, I think even Quandary Diggs, if I remember correctly, part of the reason they traded him is because he would go off script and kind of do his own thing and try and make a play. So, uh, yeah, I just love how the coaching staff lets them go out and try to make plays rather than just sticking to this one thing. You do it my way, even if you make a play. If you didn't do it my way, then you did it wrong. So, Yeah, no, I think that's a, a very astute observation from you. And, and you know, it, it obviously has its drawbacks, too. I think Okuda last week is a perfect example of that. He thought he saw something in that Pittsburgh, uh, you know, he thought there was an underneath route coming. He was trying to jump it, got beat over the top. Um, but but Aaron Glenn and Aubrey Pleasant kind of have that philosophy of controlled aggression is is how one of them explained it. They, you're you're okay to to make a play and trust your eyes at times like that. But yeah, if you're if you're going to go for a play, you got to make it, and you can't give up the big play over and over and over again. But um, you're, you're right in that it's it's a complete different philosophy from the Matt Patricia era. We're doing something like that would get you benched and and yeah, sometimes traded 100. percent Look, it, it's it goes down to a whole team philosophy of I'm going to have to play guys to get them experience because experience is the best teacher. And they're saying, look, if you think you can make it, try it. And if you don't, you better learn from it, right? Because right. that's mm-hmm. what they that's essentially what they said with the CUDA was I'm glad it happened now because now he knows and now he can fix it. And and that's not how it would have gone. Yes, in the past, in the past it would have been you didn't execute your assignment, execute your assignment. You know what I mean? So. Um, this coaching staff is going to let the players play and they're going to let them put them in positions to say sink or swim. If you make a mistake, fix it. But that is going to come with some, uh, you know, consequences as well. You know what I mean? Because there's going to be times when that is going to be, you know, could be critical times in games when, you know, the Lions are, are giving up plays because the coaching staff is allowing this philosophy at the same time. This is how you develop and grow a young team, right? By giving those younger guys opportunities to make mistakes and, and fix them. So, yeah, it, you know, I, I think it's going to be – with this type of philosophy, it's, you're going to have some problems this season. But hopefully those are problems that get corrected, and then that helps you long term, which is really the 
Yeah, and th- this goes back to the, <clears throat> the the quote that Jeremy pulled and wrote an article about from Aaron Glenn, right? Like, you know, these young guys, if they can play, they're going to play. And like Eric mentioned, they're going to make mistakes. And when they make mistakes, the, the key indicator of whether or not they're progressing is going to be whether or not they're learning from those mistakes. And, yeah, it, it is a huge departure from, from what was going on during the Matt Patricia era. But it's going to be so – I mean, guys, it's going to be so, so crucial in order for this team to make a jump from what's going to be, you know, a lump-filled um, learning season this year to next year, right? And the thing is, is you're already seeing that right. in camp, yeah. right? Like what Ryan is talking about, about taking those next steps to develop, you're seeing guys progress. Uh, um, Jeremy, you mentioned Melifonwu at the top, where yep. in spring at rookie minicamp, I was at rookie minicamp, and you were right. That was, I mean, that that was the philosophy was this, this guy's going to take some time. The, the one thing on our um, podcast I kept on saying, Eric, was like, don't be surprised if this guy has like a red-shirted, you know, first year in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, and, and you see it, and you see this development in, in a lot of places. Look at Godwin. You know what yep. I mean? Like Godwin was a, co- a converted safety who looked like he wasn't going to make it, and then all of a sudden he's getting reps and getting reps and getting reps, and in each game he looked better and better and better. And now Godwin is a guy who most people have making the roster right now. So, Bobby like, Price shot, yeah. shots fired at me. AJ Parker. AJ <laughs> uh, Parker. My yeah, gosh. Yeah. This guy in the first week of training camp, he he gave up two forty yard passes. The, That's right. Like, oh the, my god, I forgot. Do you remember that. that? Yeah, yeah. And he was playing on the outside, and then they shifted him inside to the slot, and all of a sudden he was like a demon. And so like they they completed three forty yard passes in in the first week. Two of them were against uh, Parker, right? And all of a sudden now he looks like he wouldn't get beat on a forty yard pass. You know. Ever, right? Because he's constantly around the ball. So, yeah, you've seen these big jumps in progression, especially from some of the young guys. All right, let's move to our next caller. Thanks for the the, the comment and and discussion topic there, Nicholas. Let's move to our good friend Dan. Dan, how we doing, buddy? Yeah. Thanks for waking up early with us. Oh, Dan, don't let us down, buddy. Don't let us down, Dan. <laughs> you doing it, Ryan? You, I, you unmuted. I, 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 I was going to say I have tears welling up in my eyes. <laughs> Dan has Dan has been asking for a, for a Spotify green room for the last week. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, what's I, up? He's in the uh, he's in the text chat. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> this app sucks. <laughs> oh, you know oh, what? Man. Let's jump right back in, Dan, when you can. Um, Jeremy is also back on the line. Let's try to get Jeremy back in. Oh, here. perfect. You there, Jeremy? Check. Mike there check. it is. How you doing, man? All right. Yeah, you guys can just call me Jay Z. That way, we don't get us Jeremy's. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've grown up with a lot of Jeremy's. Long story. About today. <laughs> I want to ask about that RB3, RB4 battle uh, since I can't really watch the games out here in Colorado. And I see that Eric in 4.0 is keeping four RBs on the roster. How is that pass protection looking? Is there any guys out there whiffing at blocks or uh, guys out there uh, picking up good blocks? Anybody standing out either direction? That is, a, I think, a fantastic question to bring into this discussion because if you've listened to Deuce Staley talk at all this offseason, including on our podcast, he mentioned how critical pass protection is. If you can't block, you can't play for me. Literal quote from him. Um, so, yeah, Eric, I'm, 
I haven't had a chance to rewatch yesterday's game, but um, do you have confidence in anyone in particular in that group? Um, you know, maybe being a, a, an above average pass blocker. Uh, I tell you, um, Swift and, and Williams, they, the first two, those guys are, are both really good pass blockers, right? Yeah. Um, Jefferson struggled early in camp with pass protection. Um, if you can recall, he got beat by Dion Hamilton multiple times. You, yeah. you know, it was like the first, like before preseason game one, he was having a really hard time with it, but he's gotten better. Um, Godwin is, is, was okay from what I can recall. Uh, Dedrick Mills was actually really good at it. Um, but he seems to have fallen down the depth chart a bit. I think though, him being very good at pass pro and having kind of a, uh, um, you know, a sneaky upside. I think he's a guy who probably could end up on the practice squad. Um, I don't think, I don't think I put him on my practice squad, but I could easily see it just because his pass pro was pretty spot on. Um, I'm not sure I really got enough look at Craig Reynolds. And uh, yeah, I didn't have time to rewatch last night's game either. Um, but yeah, you know, I think you get, you get so much production out of your first two and how good they are at that. Um, it'll be, who gets on the field next? A lot of it could be, you know, situational work and, and who's doing, you know, who's continuing to develop in, at pass pro because, yeah, like you said, so it's a it's a really big. Yeah. So just to take some of what Eric said and to put it to PFF, Godwin actually had the best pass blocking grade of any running back for the Lions this preseason, um, and and all of them had similar numbers. Godwin had seven pass blocking attempts. Uh, Jamar Jefferson was seven. Um, and Craig Reynolds with six and Dedrick Mills with five. But, um, yeah, I mean, Godwin, what's most interesting is he had a pass blocking grade of 83.4, uh-huh. which I mean, like you're talking about, like that's like getting up there in like elite territory and it is a preseason, but I, I wonder if that coaching staff like recognized something like, all right, this guy can be a runner, but because of his safety background, like he just is, he's welcome to like his physicality. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's an interesting little wrinkle. Then that's someone who, I, I don't know, like Craig Reynolds, I, I feel like is somebody who can get stash on the, on the practice squad, you know, or, or Dedrick, Dedrick sure. Mills could, could get stash on the practice squad or even Godwin could, I mean, goodness gracious. So we're, you know, we're talking about running back four, but yeah, I, I don't know. Do you think they're going to keep for Jeremy or no? I, I'm going back and forth on this. All morning, um, to be honest. At the moment, I don't. I'm, I'm curious as to what a guy like Godwin Iguabuki draws on, on the waiver yeah. wire. Is, is he someone – I mean, he, obviously the Lions are the only one who's seen him as a running back. No one else in this league has, in, you know, in, unless you're going back on his high school film. So, um, I, you know, I don't know. Like, it, it's clear to me that the Lions like him and like him a lot. And so it would not at all surprise me to be in that running back four position and – and he's absolutely going to be back on the practice squad if if they're able to to get him through waivers. Um, the question is just is that worth a roster spot right now? And I, I just I don't know what the answer is because I, part of me feels like if if you let him go, you're you're probably still in an okay place if you get Dedrick Mills or if you get Craig Reynolds on your practice squad. And and maybe that's not the best way to go about it because you're still losing out on a good player. But I mean, y- y'all y'all know my my philosophy on running backs. Like they're kind of a dime a dozen, and so if you can get one or two of those guys on your practice squad, I think it'll be okay. Unless they're converted safeties, Jeremy, <laughs> <laughs> and and kick returners. Like let's not sure. gloss over that. He's sure. been their starting kick returner all of the preseason, yeah. and, and that was that was a big uh, a big indicator for me. 
I, I looked at, at the rest of the roster and I'm like, are they really going to ask Khalif Raymond to be starting kick returner, starting punt returner, and potentially a starting receiver? I don't know. And then yeah. I started thinking back to, okay, when, when was the last time we saw Raymond and, and Godwin, you know, both available at the same time? And, and, uh, that was going back to like the, the practice on training camp day 10 yeah. and uh, at the practice of the scrimmage at Ford Field. And Godwin, again, he was taking the reps over Raymond. Raymond came on uh, with the second group. And so mm. I, may, it, it, I just start thinking about like how they've been putting him in spots for a while now. And, and it, it just I, that's why I kept him in, because when I started comparing him to other skill players, other depth skill players, he just was a guy who had had upside and the ability to contribute at an important special team spot. I, I think that's a really good point, and I hadn't really even considered looking back on the punt and, and kick return jobs because for so long it was just because oh, you because you Khalif hate special teams. Job. Well, it's, not, <laughs> it's part of that, but it's also like Khalif Raymond was presumed to be that guy. But the problem is, you, I mean, you mentioned it; like he was a presumed guy, but he all but at the the time he wasn't a presumed starting wide receiver. And at this point he is. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, considering the, the thin depth of that wide receiver position, do you really want to risk having your number two wide receiver at this point being your kick and punt returner? That's a pretty dangerous spot to put a guy like that in. And so, yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good point to bring up. I look forward to seeing your roster changed. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, let's do one more before we hit our break here. Uh, we got Nyan on the line. Nyan, are you there? Unmute your mic if you're there. I'm here. Can you hear me? There we go. Yep. Here you go loud and clear now. Great. I hope you guys have a good night of sleep tonight. Uh, okay. <laughs> I have uh, two questions and a little comment. Uh, this comment is just, I hope Godwin Iwibuki has an amazing season because I want to see all national media hurting to say his name. <laughs> uh, the two-part question is, like, uh, first about Goff. Uh, most uh, uh, numerical statistical analysts uh, like PFF and other groups uh, notice that there's all the all the time more good quarterbacks coming from college and what was once a good quarterback is now just a average so below average and uh does Goff need to show more uh, improvement from what he's been doing to stick and the second part is about uh, trades potential trades both uh going and coming to the Lions uh who do you see could be a trade target, and who could the Lions send on a trade away? Let's uh, let, let's start with the, that second question first. We talked a little bit about Goff earlier, but we'll we'll get back to him. Um, I, I guess for me, it, it's kind of hard to seek out a, a trade from another team in, in terms of bringing someone in. So I don't have a good answer there, but I'm curious as to what you guys think about anyone on the Lions roster currently that might have some trade value. Yeah, I, I think Tavai is the one that jumps out the most because he's not going to be uh, a fit with this scheme and he could potentially fit in in other places. You're not going to get much back in return, but I think that the Lions are probably actively shopping him today. Um, I don't know if Tyrell Crosby, who has been on the trade block before, has shown enough and he's he's only played a handful of snaps last night after not being healthy for the last few weeks. So I don't know how much trade value he brings to the table right now as well. 
Uh, and you could echo the same thing with Deshaun Hand. He would have been a guy who would have had some trade value, and you are relatively deep on the defensive line, but that injury is really going to kind of hamstring him. So the Lions having options to to deal out are pretty limited, and the return isn't going to be that that great, in my opinion. Uh, but I'm with you. I haven't really scouted like who might be potential cuts on other teams just because we're just so busy focused on uh, Detroit. And I think that's also a good point to point out is just – these sort of trades, they don't really ever net too much. You know, we, while we're recording this, you know, Gardner Minshew got traded for a sixth round pick. So um, I think that's usually the ceiling that you're looking at for some of these trades. Um, Ryan, is there is there anyone on the Lions roster or maybe a position that you're hoping the Lions uh, either trade for or, or send away? Um, maybe wide receiver, right? I mean, just because of how well documented it's been that, you know, the Lions might need some help there, uh, especially with how they, they shuffle things out. Um, but I'm, I'm with you guys, like in the sense that like whatever these guys get for a return isn't going to be great. And I think one of the best ways to evaluate that is Sean Wade um, from the Baltimore Ravens was one of the most highly rated defensive backs in the preseason this year. Gets traded to New England because Baltimore just has this luxury of having a plethora of defensive backs where they can trade a really promising guy. And they get a seventh round and a fifth round pick for him. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is a guy they just drafted. He's literally a rookie, and, you know, he's playing super well in the preseason. They just ha- don't have room for him. I just don't really see that as, like, a situation the Lions are going to find themselves in. I think you're right there. And then just quickly on Goff, um, in terms of improvement, what what sort of level of improvement do you need to see? And I know this is the sort of thing is always really hard to quantify for you to think that the Lions might not be in the market for a quarterback next year. Go ahead, Eric. Not an easy. Go question. ahead, Eric. I, I mean, no, no, no. no. I, I, he, here's what I'll say first. I, I think, I think part of it has to do with do any of these college quarterbacks, and I know college football season starts today, ostensibly. So, um, it's like, do any of these college guys separate themselves from the sure. field? If the Lions find themselves with one of those top picks, um, it, if that happens to not be the case, obviously you don't want management to talk themselves into a guy just because they have a perceived um, you know, deficiency at the quarterback position. But, you know, I I really just want to see Goff, and, and we talked about it earlier, but I, I really just want to see Goff with that first-team offense, and it's something that we really didn't get to see in the preseason. We, we didn't get to see TJ Hawkinson. We didn't get to see DeAndre Swift. Like, I, I need to see, like, at least, like, three to four games of that before I make any sweeping conclusions about Jared Goff. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's it's going to be really hard to to ascertain how successful he'll be long term until we see him out there for a few weeks, even right. It, it's not even we're not even going to even know in a couple weeks from now against San Fran. We're gonna we're gonna need a few of those games under our belt before we can really get a good assessment on him. Uh, and as far as like this uncom- incoming class, there's a whole bunch of like guys that are vying for that kind of those top spots. But there's no clear number one guy. And because of that, there's like no clear like, hey, if you uh, draft this guy, he's going to be your starter. Like you may if you are in the market for a quarterback, you may end up drafting a guy and then still sticking with golf another year because you need that 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 time to develop the rookie. It's a great point. It's a great point. It's going to take some time to get Malik Willis up to speed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are there are a couple of guys, uh, and Willis is definitely 
in in the top there. He's 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 going to be a fun one to drill us for Willis. Let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, now Thank that you I, guys. I love, no problem. Thanks for the question. Uh, let's take our second break here. When we come back, we're going to close out our lock. Or uh, man, I almost got through it without saying it. our Spotify green room session here. As roster cuts loom Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll be right back. And we are back closing out shop here on the Spotify Green New app, taking your Lions questions live here. Let's go back to Dan. He's back on the line. Dan, second time's a charm, right? Oh, can no. Can you hear me now? Yeah, like, there like, it like, is. Like, okay. Cool, <laughs> blimey. I'm so sorry, and I appreciate it, and, and thanks a lot. Um, I, had a, I had a bunch of questions, actually, sort of dovetailing off the end of your last one, because I think about the preseason a lot, and I, uh, it's, it's, we'll have to see the season to see how it makes a difference, but the, the loss of that week and... It's really interesting from yesterday's game. I feel much happier about the team. I was really, you know, the week before with the Steelers and obviously with Mule back and all of that stuff, that was a rough week. But it also makes, like, I feel like we have to listen to Dan and what he says. Not this Dan, but that Dan. <laughs> and, and, sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just curious, like, what you think has been, like, just a hot take that you have about the preseason. It might be for us, it might be for them. Because, like, there's the aspect, like, I remember we would talk about it a lot with the end of the season where teams would get cold if they were like they, they sat for a week off and then like two weeks and they come back and it would stink do you know what I mean I'm like and so it really feels like these first two weeks of the season are just like maybe just a, just a continuation of the preseason because really how many how much does people actually practice with other ones you know what I mean yeah and I, I guess for me it's kind of a different story when you talk about offense versus defense because for for the most part, the first team defense has kind of been together all of camp. Like, obviously, there's some missing parts there on the, on the defensive yeah. front with, um, you know, with Brockers missing some time and, and Deshaun Hand is probably going to miss some time into the regular season. Um, but, you know, if you want to if you want to throw a hot take out there, I think the defense might be like good this yeah. year. Maybe not 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 top 10, but like good. Uh, the defensive front should be pretty good. And we've seen a lot of flashes of that. Um, linebacking crews is still probably the weak point, but um, we haven't seen a ton of, of Jamie Collins or Alex Anzalone in the preseason. And then the secondary, I think, in, in my opinion, is definitely going to be improved. So I, I, I'm kind of excited to see that first team get some run um, right away in, in, in that first game. And obviously going up against Kyle Shanahan is, is going to be a, a big test for them. The offense, though, I just I don't feel good <laughs> about. And... And the, the thing I keep going back to to try to kind of prep myself up is, like, we don't know how the running game is going to look. You can't really tell that from preseason with no live tackling. Um, and we, we didn't get a look at it at all, really, in the preseason, other than, you know, Jamal Williams not looking too great um, early in the, in, in the preseason. But I don't know. What, where are you guys thinking this team is going to start off in week one? Are, are they going to look a little bit rusty because – they decide to rest their starters so much. Um, is it not even? Does it not that? Does it not matter to you that much? Because this team is all about you know how they look at the end of the season, may so, more so probably than how they start it. Yeah, I think they're 
for certain going to look rusty. I, I think that's. I think a lot of teams are going to look rusty, but I think when you don't play your starters for two of the three games, you're, it's just increases that factor even more, right? Yeah. Um, I am expecting some rust. Uh, I think that's just going to be the nature of how the season is designed, and it may be you know, a couple of weeks before we see them kind of shake that off. And that's difficult because, you know, your second week is uh, against Green Bay on Monday Night Football, right? And yeah. so you better hope you, you're you're at least putting some sort of, uh, you know, semblance of a, of a unified team out there that can that can work. But it, it might be uh, it might be a couple of weeks and that, you know, this decision to not play the starters just could be something that, you know, you chalk up to first year coaches trying to manage a whole new uh, off season and we'll see how it goes. So I, I think this was part of the delicate ban- ban- you know, the delicate dance of the preseason. And it was partly what Eric had mentioned earlier about, let's see what the second half of this roster has um, to offer in terms of, you know, can these guys, you know, cut it in the NFL and I think the other part of it was the Lions just don't have a lot of top-end talent. And I don't think that they can afford to lose any of those players. Like, you can't afford to lose a guy like Michael Brockers to injury long-term. You can't afford to lose C.J. Hawkinson to an injury long-term. Um, I know the Lions have some depth at running back, but, I mean, you only have depth until the first guy goes down, right? And if you are if you have DeAndre Swift and if that groin continues to linger or be a problem, well, then you only have Jamal Williams. He's your starter. And then how great do you feel about the depth behind him there? Um, so I, I think that there was part of that that delicate balance of, like, keeping our top-end talent healthy and ready potentially for the beginning of the season and then also seeing what, you know, the rest of the roster had to hold. Jeremy, you stole my hot take, by the way. So I I, oh. I, I, I think I think they're going to be – I think they're when you look at DVOA at the end of the season, I think you'll see the Lions between, like – this make it hotter. Is, make it hotter. Make uh, no, top ten, top this, ten defense. Say it. No, you know how bad I am at bowl predictions. Um, <laughs> I, I I'm gonna say they're between like twelve to fifteen in DVOA. All right, I'll allow it. All right, they're top five. Let's go Lions. There we go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> love to see it. All right, so much, guys. I, I'm going to sneak in a second question, if nothing else, because you told us to only have one, and I'm going to perfect debate you. But no, so one walk one, all over me. One, one, <laughs> one position that you would switch out of Eric's 53, and it was really good. But he he admitted it was what the Detroit Lions would do, not what he would do. So one one person you would switch out of that 53. I'll say adios. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ann. Uh I mean, the the easy answer is Brashad Perriman, right? Even, yeah. even even Eric wants to do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. If I had to switch a guy, I'd probably. I, I think the only other differences I have in the moment is that I I have Charles Harris in, and is that it? That might be it. Honestly, I I I have Cornelder and Nicole Nicole Roby Coleman swapped, but that one I just I don't know how you judge it to me like that. It went into Friday dead even because both of them have not been on the field very long. Nikel Roby Coleman because he was just signed. Cornelder because he's dealing with an injury. Mm-hmm. Cornelder gets an interception, so he, he jumps him. Like, that's literally my only thinking for it. Roby Coleman has three years playing under Audrey, Aubrey Pleasant. True. It's that's true. What, that's what's kept it for me is he's got – he knows the system. He knows the coach. The coach knows – the coach has well, known him. Why did it take him so long to sign him? Hmm. 
<laughs> Who knows? <laughs> right? Who knows? Fair. All right, let's jump to our next question here. We're I, going like, I, I've been calling for him. I've been calling for this, him to sign him for, for months, right? Hey, like, it's, Dan, it's not Dan new made, to us. Dan made a great point. This isn't what the Detroit Lions, or this is what the Detroit Lions are doing, not what Eric would have done. <laughs> yeah. Eric would have signed Nikel Roby Coleman and he'd be yeah, the starter. In March. Which means we, we would. Which, Back in March. <laughs> yeah, and we wouldn't know who A.J. Parker is. So thanks oh. for that, Eric. Yeah, he, he still would have been an undrafted guy and he probably still would have worked. But okay, all right, let's take another break. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got to keep going. We got five more callers that we're somehow going to get through. Please keep it to one question. Let's start with Dave. Dave, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yep. How's it going, Dave? Ah, it's going. Good morning. Um, so I have a question about a particular player, uh, and that player is Deshaun Hand. Um, I, I know that it was a he was a favorite of Eric's uh, his rookie year. He flashed as a rookie, and since then he's really had a problem staying healthy. You know, during the preseason, you really haven't heard uh, the announcers talk about him very much. He hasn't really flashed at all, and now, you know, now it looks like he's hurt again. I mean, is this a guy? Like, is he? Is he an NFL bust? Like, does he belong on this team? There's a lot of depth on the defensive line, you know, with guys that, uh, you know, maybe you're less injury prone and, and, and have uh, a similar amount of promise. I'm just curious, like, how does, how does he fit into the Lions' future? And I mean, do you, do you really see him making this roster? I, I guess he's going to go on IR to be, begin the season probably, but what, what, what do I make of Deshaun, Deshaun Hand here? Yeah, I think the question here is I'll let Eric, you know, talk for his guy in a minute here. But yeah, the question to me is, do you do you come across at this point and say, listen, we just can't trust this guy to stay healthy and cut ties now and say, listen, we're either going to put you on IR or we're going to release you with, you know, waive you with an injury designation and put you on IR? Or do you say, this guy still gives us a chance? And do you put him on that initial 53 and then, like you said, put him on IR so that you free up a, a roster spot? Is he worth that chance of putting some guy that you plan on bringing back on waivers and risking losing that guy? because of the potential Deshaun Hand has with one more, only one year left on his contract. I think it's a, it's a true dilemma, but I'm curious as to what Eric thinks. All right. So I, I think he's talented enough to, to keep him. Uh, and anybody who can play from the zero to seven is going to have value. Right. And um, he's made some changes. He has the right mindset, but yeah, the health is definitely an issue. Uh, I had said in, in my projection, I fully expect him to uh, make the initial roster, then go on IR. And then in three weeks, you're going to have both him and Cornell that are going to be sitting there that you're going to have to make decisions on. That means mm-hmm. that's three weeks to evaluate Kevin Strong. That's three weeks to evaluate John. Penasini and see are these guys going to are, are, are if they're playing out of their minds and they're doing you know uh, better than you know what the other two that aren't available are then yeah you, you can stick with those guys but I think keeping him and IRing him at least gives them options and because you don't want to cut him and then you know Kevin Strong also not play you know and, and not play as well as he has during during the preseason now. Kevin's also one of my guys as well, so uh, and I think he's capable of playing from zero to seven as well. And so he could—he's a very natural replacement for Hand if Hand isn't going to be isn't available. But at the same time, you know, uh, there's enough talent there that I, I think it's worth keeping him around just to give you some options during the first month of this. And I think you know to to echo maybe uh, another point uh, to, to Eric and, and keeping Deshaun Hand is. This Lions roster is in a position where maybe they can they can not punt this year, but they can take a chance on a guy like Deshaun Hand, who, like Jeremy mentioned, this is the last year of his contract, 
and see if he can get healthy. And if he can recapture some of that magic from his rookie season, well, then you made a great decision. And and I think the one thing that I kind of got caught up doing in, in roster construction was like, yes, if, if you want to keep Deshaun Hand and then IR him, you obviously have to let one of these these guys go on the defensive line. It's like no, like the Lions can just let a tight end go. Like there's no way there's no way that that guy's not going to clear waivers. And Eric mentioned that earlier, and I was like, uh, Dodoy. But yeah, so I mean, I I think that Deshaun Hand is somebody that the Lions should definitely take a take one more shot on this year. He did he did look good before the injury, and and I know that's you know what we almost say about him every year, but. Uh... It's it's a tough decision. I think I'm with you guys that you you got to just give him one more chance to to get healthy one more time and, and see what he can do out there. But um, we'll see. I, I think I there's the, a, I have, go ahead. I have a, just comment on that. Have the coaches? I don't feel like I've heard the coaches really say much about him. I feel like there are other players on the defensive line that you know they'll come up in Q and A sessions and and uh, you know Dan Campbell will say something really nice about him or say that he's really excited. I don't. I feel like he's a very under the radar player that doesn't get a lot of attention, you know, at least in, in the press conferences from the, from the coaching staff. So what does the coaching staff think about him? I think they're high on him. And, and you got to remember, he's been injured for two weeks, more yeah. than two weeks. So, like, so that's why he hasn't been in the news cycle is because he just hasn't been available. But prior to that, you know, he was getting talked up when he had his interview with the media. He was very animated and, and excited. And the coaches had nice things to say about him then. And then he got injured the next day. Right. So yeah. um, I just think it's he's kind of been out of sight out of mind type of thanks a lot thanks for question dave let's move on oh we somehow we're only down to two more david is next david are you there you're on the line david no i must say you have a very um handsome profile picture <laughs> oh it's a lot uglier in real life though <laughs> <laughs> And I just wanted to say, I've uh, been listening to you guys for about three years now. Uh, started oh, the wow. podcast a while ago. Uh, so either way, I love what you guys do. I listen to you like every week. So appreciate you. Oh, thanks. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, I'd say I'm really excited about this draft class in general. I'm not excited about this year. I know we got some building to do. But I have to say, like, what I've seen is really, I think we can all agree, is pretty exciting. Who are you drinking the most Kool-Aid on from this draft class right now? Ooh, right, Ryan, I'll let you have the first crack at this one because there's, I mean, there's a lot of good options. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know if, if Jeremy will let me do this, but I definitely want to do just like a, like a Malik Willis stock watch um, uh. that we could potentially post on. I know, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, but I'm, <laughs> You know, the quarterback class is something that we're all going to have to pay attention to, right? Like, th- this is something that we're all going to have to monitor throughout the season. Just, <laughs> Ryan, just, I, Ryan, Ryan, Jeremy. We're, talking about, we're talking about the Lions rookie class. Oh, I thought you were, I thought we were talking about the quarterback <laughs> no, class. No, Sorry, I got so excited about Malik Willis. You just want like, to talk about what? Malik Willis no matter what's going on. Well, hey, Ryan, what do you think about the running back situation? Well, Malik Willis can run the ball. <laughs> Uh, well, hey, I like Panay Sewell. I think he'll turn it around. <laughs> okay. Good job. <laughs> Eric, what rookies are you most excited about? I, I'll gonna, tell you what. I'm, I'm just going to kick Ryan out of the call. My Ryan, Ryan had my exact answer. <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> oh. No, I, Thank no, you, Eric. I, I do think, I do think, <laughs> no, I agree. I was going to go with Sewell. Um, but... 
Look, I don't think you can go wrong with a lot of these guys, right? I mean, Barnes has been the flashiest, but he's the one that probably has uh, still has a lot of developing to do. St. Brown is a guy who has kind of been a little hiccupy lately, but he's going to be a starter and consistent. Um, Onzerike has 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 flashed. McNeil has flashed. Like we've seen all of them flash uh, for the most part. Um, even Jefferson and Melifond who looked good last game, right? So yeah. it's it's a hard to say. Like the only one that people are kind of soured on right now is Sewell, and he's probably the one that has the the most upside the right, ceiling, of the whole yeah. bunch, right? So like yeah. I, I I don't think you can go wrong with any of them, and, and I still think I'm excited to see uh, what Sewell can do the uh, long term. Well, I'm going to actually answer the question, just say everybody or talk about Malik Willis. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to say Levi Onzerike. God, you're insufferable. <laughs> I mean, the guy the guy just, it feels like he just returned to practice a couple weeks ago, and he's been a monster in the pass rush. And I've, I've just been, this team has been dying to have an interior presence that can pass rush for the longest time. And Levi, right out of the box, looks like he can do it. And I expect him to be part of that rotation pretty early on. He's not going to start. And maybe he only sees, sees situational third downs. But he's going to be someone to be reckoned with right away. And that will free up some guys too, right? Like if, if he – because, I mean, how many times do I feel like last year we saw, you know, even a guy like Romeo Quara who, who got 10 sacks last year, you know, get around the edge and, and the quarterback just stepped up and made a play. They aren't going to be able to do that. Levi's out there. And to me, that has me very excited. One of the yeah. biggest benefactors of Deshaun Hand being hurt is Onzerike because sure. now Onzerike and McNeil are probably your first two at, at when, even when you're only in two defensive tackle sets. Like they're going to be the guys that are challenging to come off the bench behind Brockers and Williams. Like they are going to have huge opportunities to. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm right there with Aleem, in my opinion, just because of the fact that. I really believe the secondary suffered so much last year because we didn't have that pass rush, because we didn't have that that uh, that front seven that was really strong. And so far we've seen – I know Aleem hasn't had a great actual um, preseason games. He's, he's shown it in practice, but he hasn't shown it in the games 100%. But you start getting some of that top-grade talent around him. You get Brockers in there with him. His twitchiness, his size, his capability, he's going to be creating more pressure more havoc for the quarterback, which is going to make them make more more issues, and the corners aren't going to have to cover for seven, eight seconds yeah. the entire time, you know? So I'm really excited about the Aleem. Like, I'm drinking Kool-Aid on Aleem. For- yeah, see, I thought that was going to be Eric's answer because he's been, he's been propping up Aleem for a long time, and, you know, I, I have my issues with nose tackles, but to, to be fair to Aleem, he's shown a little, like you said, he's, he's shown a little twitchiness there that I didn't think he, he necessarily had, and he can provide. I don't think he'll be there on, like, Third and longs, I don't think they'll, they'll put him in the game because I think he's definitely a little bit better at, at stopping the run. But, you know, teams pass the ball on first down. And so him bringing a little bit of extra pass rush that I didn't think he was capable of has me a little excited as well. Yeah. When they when they put Flowers, Aquara, and Brockers on the field, you can't double-team McNeil anymore. And then yeah. that's when we're going to see. Exactly. Are we going to answer this entire question without talking about Derek Barnes? I, I mentioned him briefly. <laughs> He's, yeah, he's, but I mean, like, this is a guy who it's going to be really hard to keep him off the field, right, Eric? Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, I was going to say, you were talking about future quarterbacks here for a second. So, I mean, this is your time. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Dude, I'm excited. There's college football today. Sorry. 
Uh, all right. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, let's Ooh. close. <laughs> no problem. Uh, thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Eric, for staying a little bit extra. I know it's a big week. A lot of questions. A lot of Lions fans eager to see what this 53-man roster is going to look like Hello, this um, year. Oh, Jamal's here. Jamal. Hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry. All good. Um, my question is, this defense, when you put it on the field, can Derek, is Derek Barnes supposed to start? I, well, he won't to, to start the year, right? I think we can all agree Jamie Collins and Alex Anzalone have those spots uh, locked up. But as we just, just said, you know, Ryan is right. Like, it's going to be hard not to keep this guy off the field. It would be hard to keep this guy off the field. So I guess let me, let me rephrase the question. How early – do we see Derek Barnes on the field? Is it only in situational downs? Is it only in sub packages? Or does this guy win a roster spot by the end of the year? You mean a starting spot by the end of the year? That's what I meant. Yes. Sorry. Um, Look, it comes back to what Aaron Glenn said. If you make plays, I'm going to play you. Right. And and he's doing everything that he is being asked. And he's playing so good that, I think he's going to start cutting into Alex Anzalone's time. Right now, Anzalone and Collins are going to be the guys out there, but Barnes is going to eat into it. I don't think there's any way you can keep him off the field. I think you're going to see some of them in week one, and you could easily see those numbers start creeping up. And as he continues to make plays, he's going to continue to get the opportunity. And it would not surprise me to see him uh, take over a starting role by the end of the year. Um, you wouldn't, and you know, it poor, it'd be poor Alex Anzalone, but um, I think Barnes has shown a lot of potential and he's developing faster than what I was anticipating. And, and they signed Anzalone to a one-year deal for a reason, right? Like he's, he's, I mean, I don't, you don't usually use this term for a linebacker, but he's, he's a stopgap, right? Yeah. I mean, and he, he got beat out for a starting job last year in New Orleans too. He right. started the season and they ended up getting passed at, at the end. So it's not, it's, he's got a lot of skill sets that you want, especially at the buck position. But, um, man, Barnes is going to be real hard to keep on. Oh, one, uh, one more thing. Can st- if the Seahawks um, cut digs, you think we can get them back? <laughs> I don't. Unless something has gone terribly wrong in Seattle, I don't think that's part of their plans. I mean, the guy just made the t- NFL top 100, right? He did. That, that'd be hard to, yeah. to see that. Yeah, I, I mean, I would welcome him back if that's oh, what, is that where Jamal's going. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he would be a phenomenal ad. He would look real good in this scheme. Um, if they tried to trade for him, I wouldn't even be mad about. Right, and I'd be. It, I, I have to imagine he'd be okay with coming back to Detroit simply because a certain man is no longer there. So, if somehow that opportunity rose, uh, you know, presented itself, um, yeah, I think the Lions and Diggs would be open to it. But I just don't see Seattle doing that unless unless something's going on over there that I don't know about. Well, I was just talking about they didn't pay Jamal Adams, and I mm-hmm. think they got a salary cap thing, and I had heard something that they might cut him just because of salary. Well, I take it. I take it. Yeah, jump on that right away. But uh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Thanks for the question, Jamal. Thanks for everyone for all of the questions that we got today. Uh, I I hope you guys enjoyed the extended version of the episode this week. Uh, Thank you for for dealing with all the issues that Spotify Greenroom was giving us as well. But uh, we will be back on the podcast probably after roster cuts on Tuesday. So make sure you're joining us uh, there. You can join us live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash 
Pride of Detroit, or just subscribe to us on any of your podcasting platforms. And of course, we will have all sorts of news about the roster cuts all weekend long on prideofdetroit.com. But until next time, for Ryan, for Eric, I'm Jeremy. Thanks for joining us. It's chaos. Be kind. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.